The show's about to start. Are you ready? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of New Stripes Baby and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm at 1,030-something subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Let's keep it rolling. Try to get to 2,000 as fast as we can. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. So, like, if you're in the market for a condo, renting a house, an apartment, if you've got a rental property that you just don't want to manage anymore, Check out T-Properties. Like I said, they're there for all your rental property management needs. All right, guys, this is draft week. Like I said yesterday, I'm pretty much going to go wall-to-wall Bengals all week. The Reds did win last night, which is awesome. DeWink is on fire. So hopefully this will lead into something. If they win tonight, we can win the series. That would be great. But let's get in to the draft. And to get the best information, you got to go to the source, the best source, the man who knows the most. That man is Joe. What's up, Joe? What's going on, man? <laughs> What's up, man? That's a, quite an intro there. I don't know about the best. Um, maybe at one point, but not anymore. Did, did, I, did I build you up enough? Was that, was that good? <laughs> yeah, I like that. All right, man. So as uh, people out there may or may not know, we were on uh, uh, Zim and Ace's podcast, Orange is the New Black, the first Civil War. And we were on Team Chase. So I just want to throw it out there. State your case. I like letting everybody do this last week, last, you know, last time you, well, I got you on other podcasts. I know that, but last time you're going to be on my podcast, actually first time you're on my podcast, state your case. Why should the Bengals draft uh, Chase? Well, to be clear, uh, Zim reached out and said, hey, can you make a strong case for Jamar Chase? Like, ah, of I can. Okay. Of course I can make a case, but I can also make, if Ace would have reached out first, 
I could have made just as strong of a case for Penny Sewell. Ah. Um, it just happened to go that way. But all right, I will so get, real quickly. So which way are you? Which, which way are you then? I guess in a vacuum, if I was just to pick one player to help this team this year, I would pick Penny Sewell. Okay. And I, I would do that because I think to get an elite tackle, you guys usually draft them in the first round. They look like this. They're athletic. They're big. And what he did at 18 and 19 years old last time we saw him uh, was freaky stuff, even though he's not a finished product. So I believe he, he's going to reach that plateau, that that where everyone thinks he's going to get. Um, having said that, I, I feel the same way about Jamar Chase. He's He was young. He's a freak. And he's going to reach his potential. He's very, right. very safe prospect. Right. Uh, but Penny Sewell, in terms of getting a tackle, it's harder to find them later in the draft. The more you go, uh, normally, I think this class is different, and I think the receiver class is different than what we've gotten used to the last couple of years. And that's when I start to weigh myself and go, well, you know, if you got them close, you kind of got to plan the second, third, fourth rounds as well. Right. And if you do that, you start to lean towards Team Chase, and I think that's what the Bengals have done. Yeah, that that's why I, that's the biggest reason that I've said Chase, I'm Team Chase, because the to me, the drop-off between Chase and, and Waddle and, and um, oh, geez, the Heisman Trophy one. Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith and Pitts. The, the drop-off between those guys and the next is huge. Uh, to me, I think it's bigger than the drop-off between Slater and Sewell and Leatherwood. If, if Leatherwood's there, I'm not saying – I keep saying I want him in the second round. I have no idea if he's going to be there or not. There's a chance. It's a I think it's a 50-50 coin flip. But that's why I think for the Bengals and what they need and what they can accomplish in this draft, that's why I'm Team Chase, and then you go with Leatherwood in the second round. Now, I don't know if he's going to be there. What, do you think there's a chance of him being in the second round, Leatherwood, that is? I do think there's a chance. I, I think the some teams may view him as a guard, even though when you look at this offensive tackle class, I think a lot of guys are getting pushed to guard because they don't have the athleticism right. or they don't have the length. And right. I think those are two traits NFL teams still value very highly when they're looking for future offensive tackles, and I think they should, right. uh, especially athleticism. When you see the best guys in the league, they're usually very good athletes as well. So, uh, But when you talk about Leatherwood, he actually tested very, very well, like an elite athlete. And he's got the 34 and a half inch arms. Yes. So, you know, he, I that's why I think he could get pushed up. If it yeah. if the if, if you just laid it out and said talent wise and production wise, I think he would be in the first 10 picks of round two. I think there's a chance he gets pushed maybe with Tevin Jenkins or right behind him in, in the mid 20s to late 20s. If not, as soon as we kick off the third round or second round, soon, you know, from Thursday night to Friday, we'll have a clear picture of who's there. And the Bengals pick six that round. They flip-flop with the Eagles every round. So you're right. going to have to look at it. And there's a few teams there that are going to need offensive linemen. So I think there's a chance for Leatherwood. I think there's a greater chance for a Sam Cosme from mm -hmm. Texas. Right. And then I'd really, be fine with that, too. I mean, he, right. he's a good, yeah. He started the most games. He mm -hmm. is the high-end athleticism, 6'6", but only 33-inch arms. So I think that will knock him down a little. But it's really his technique. It's a bit inconsistent. He's going to need to rework uh, some of uh, his footwork with his upper body. For offensive line, when you watch them, you want guys that are in one motion and fluid, in sync with their feet and their hands. Their punch has to coincide with their balance. Mm -hmm. uh, with their, their footwork has to co coincide with what they're, where the weight's shifting. You know, and I think Cosme is off a little bit on that. But I think he can be fixed. Right. Uh, he shows he's a captain. He's he's a, a freak athlete. He can be fixed. And then I love the interior offensive line class. I think this, as a whole, the O-line class is a historic group. 
So what does that mean? I, I think when you look at where interior offensive linemen are drafted at the highest, usually, unless you're getting a Quentin Nelson or someone like that, the highest is like 20, 21. And a center will go or a guard will go in that range. Uh, I don't know if we'll get that. We'll get uh, a live Tucker out of uh, USC that I think could go in the 15 range. Mm-hmm. But he played a lot of tackle also. So I think some teams may view him as a, as a tweener, but I think he's a guard in the NFL. Point being is I think there's going to be a good group of guards in rounds two and three. And I think the that's what's going to present itself for the Bengals. Even if Leatherwood and Cosme are gone, I have no doubt they'll be able to find a starting right guard at 38 or even 69. Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Let's uh, get to some of the questions here in the chat. It's blowing up already, but Crown wants to know, uh, what about Kendrick Green? Yeah, Illinois, uh, Illinois center guard. First uh, fighting Illini to be uh, invited to the Combine since 2017. So it's been a while. And he is a freak. He's a very, very good athlete. Recruited as a defensive tackle, though. And you see that sometimes in his um, naturalness, if you will. He just, mm-hmm. at times, he's like overextending or or overrunning. That's a better way to put it. He overruns right. at the second level. So he climbs up. He's supposed to wall off a linebacker. And you see him get too far or get over his feet a little bit too much and go off balance. So it's technique stuff. It's experience stuff. It's timing stuff. I, mm-hmm. I think that can all be fixed. You want to draft the high-end athletes because – they're going to figure it out because even if they don't, even if they have technique issues, they're going to win with their athleticism. I really like him as an upside guard. I think he can go in the third round. I think there's a chance he's there in the fourth round. It's So it's hard to say. He's in that mix with that. Maybe right. maybe not the first group of interior linemen that will go between uh, 20 and 40, but in that next group, but in the bottom half of it. So I think he can go in the 60 to 80 range. Again, the Bengals pick 69 right there. Uh, it's you know, it's going to be tough because I think there's some better interior offensive linemen. At least I have better interior offensive linemen. For me, I've got Kendrick Green as the seventh guy. So if like Ben Cleveland or Trey Smith are still there or Quinn Miners, I'd rather them go in that direction. But I do really like Green. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a good chance that they could double down in the second round and third round at offensive line. Probably, like I said, probably a guard. I, I, that's, but the, the thing with me that only might change that is if, um, is if there's a good edge. At, at, at in the third round and to me if there's a good edge in the third round because edge isn't that there's not that many good edge rushers in this draft there are some good ones but there's not a, a, a plethora of them like there is offensive linemen so to me if third round if you if there is an edge that they got their eye on and he's still there i think they might might take that is there any chance uh you think there might be some good edge rushers in the third round Edge is hard to project outside of round one or even the top 40. They usually get overdrafted. So they're going to get like quarterback. They're going to be picked before probably their value is actually at the most. Uh, It's rare you get that Carl Lawson in the fourth round. And he had some injury issues. He didn't test as well as he should have as what he looked like on tape when we watched him for those four years with the Bengals. I do think in this class there was a lot of guys that could be there in that range. And whether that's a Peyton Turner from Houston or maybe it's someone like a, a Deo Adebengo out of Vanderbilt, who is a six foot six guy. That's Ooh. yeah, he looks like Carlos Dunlap, but they kicked him at defensive tackle a bunch, and he's got these thirty five and some change in his arms. Uh, he didn't get the test because he got injured. At, I think it was right before the Senior Bowl or during Senior Bowl uh, practices. And I think he would have been a second round pick. So he's mm-hmm. a guy that's going to slide around maybe two rounds. And if he does, uh, that's someone I've mocked to them in the fourth round range. But I do like Peyton Turner from Houston. I'm going to mention him a few times because I think uh, it might have been SI or NFL.com. I forget which one had them mocked to the Bengals. Bengals were there for his pro day down in Houston. I believe it was position coach working him out, too, and he tested really well. Um, But he didn't go against anyone, man. He he did his thing this year. 
uh, in the handful of games they did play, but there was really no competition for them. But I, th- that's how it goes sometimes. You right. got to take what it is and say, mm-hmm. well, especially All right, this we, year, <laughs> the way the way the pandemic and everything's happened. You know, you got guys that opted yeah. out, guys that were injured. You know, exactly. So yeah. Some guys that played only four or five games. The thing for the Bengals though at edge is, I think they've got about six hundred snaps they still need to fill. You got to remember when we sat here last year at this point. We thought we had Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, and Sam Hubbard, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the Bengals like to play a lot of nickel defense. And when they do, they kick Sam Hubbard in the defensive tackle, and it would be Lawson and Dunlap on the edge. Well, Dunlap's not here. Lawson's not here. You still want to kick Sam Hubbard inside because that's where he's good. It's like when we talk right. about receiver, you want to put Boyd in the slot because right. that's where he's at his best. So you, you bring in Trey Hendrickson to replace Lawson. And even if that's a one-for-one one and you don't feel like you lost anything there, you're still missing that other defensive end. Yeah, that's, yeah you haven't replaced Carl Dunlop yet. That's that's exactly that's where I'm at. That's why I'm like, if they don't address it in the draft, they gotta they gotta go get somebody in in free agency. I think because yep. th- that's a huge loss. I mean, no matter what everyone thinks about how Carlos Dunlap played last year with us, it's still a loss, and that's still something they have to replace. Yeah, they're gonna have to take a defensive lineman if they don't at 69. Let's say they go first round wide receiver, second round offensive line, right? Take the best old lineman there. It's at 38 because you want a starter in there and it's been a need for a long time, right? And I think people would freak out if they didn't draft a line at 38. So I do think there's a chance though. There's a, a top edge guy still there, Gregory Rousseau or Jason Oway, or maybe it's uh, Aziz Aluari that just uh, tested, uh, or um, I'm sorry, a report was that he's got a knee issue. If those guys are still there, I could see them saying, you know what, how do we bypass this edge guy that's going to play 600 snaps over a right guard that we think will still be there, Ben Cleveland in round right. three. Right. I, and I know people will panic or for a little bit, but it'll only be a couple hours until they get their <laughs> offensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, but I could see that scenario. But if they don't go – like if they go O-line, O-line on day two, which is possible, mm-hmm. I think the pass rush is going to be a weakness again. And you're going to have yeah. to come back yeah. out of this. You can't take a fourth-round guy or, yeah. or a fifth-round Kareem last year and expect those guys just to hit the ground running and play well as rookies. That Carl Lawson stuff is extremely rare. They're going to have to come out of the draft and say, okay, who are the best edge rushers out there? Who was Justin Houston signed or is Kerrigan signed? We need to go get somebody. Yeah, that's and, that, and that's kind of what I think they're waiting on to see, obviously, what the draft holds and what leads them to what they're going to do with, with the rest of the free agency here. We got another uh, question here in the chat from Nick. Joe, how would you feel about uh, Landon Dickerson in the seconds? Normally, I would say, uh, give me that guy. He looks tremendous. I think for me, I, based on film, if I, if I remember correctly, and I do, he's the highest graded guy I have for the interior offensive line based on film. Mm-hmm. Now, he couldn't test because of the injury. Um, I try not to target those guys. Then you see reports lately that teams are really scared. He's never really even finished a collegiate season because he's been hurt every single year. I like him as a guard center. He's a huge center if he plays center. I really like him. If he was clean bill of health, he probably goes 24 to the Steelers, 23, right. wherever they pick. But so if you get him there in round two, you have to consider it. I just wonder, are the Bengals in position to take that risk? If they mm-hmm. draft an offensive lineman at 38, that's got some injury history. They got a hit. All right. And he doesn't yeah. play this year. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, they can't just, they can't yeah. do it anymore. They can't do that. They've, they've mm-hmm. got to be smarter about the guys they pick. You look at the got recent history of guys that did not test that the Bengals drafted from going back to like Chase Kaufman or uh, Cedric Obwehi, Billy Price. I mean, when they can't test, they can't prove what you thought you saw on tape. Tape, right. what, what you see and the skills you see, if you're really good at it, you feel confident in what you're watching, but it can trick you. It can be right. a lie. The tape does lie. You think that guy's running fast. You think that guy is athletic. And then he goes and tests. And a lot of people say, well, can he play or can he play? You'll hear a coach say, well, yes, I think most guys can play when you watch them on tape. But 
you want to know. You want to be able to turn that second key of knowing that guy is also an elite athlete the way he looks on tape. And we don't get that with Dickerson this year because of the injury. So it's not just the injury. It's the risk factor of not being able to confirm what you saw on tape. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking third round for Dickerson. If he's still mm-hmm. there, I wouldn't be surprised if he was there in the fourth round. These guys with these injury histories. If he's in the fourth round, we're, they better jump on him. If, he, if he's in the fourth, you, you got to take him. And, then and that's, that's worth taking a chance then. Right, exactly. We just talked through it. If it was, mm-hmm. So the Bengals are having the same discussion. If he's there at 38th, we want it. Ah, the injury mm-hmm. risk, we can't afford it right now. Third round? Yeah, maybe as long as there's not guys there we like better, right, right that we think are healthy in the fourth round. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Slam yeah. it. Take the <laughs> exactly. All right, Jennifer wants to know about uh, uh, Wyatt Davis uh, out of OSU. And he he's coming off a knee injury that I think happened in the national championship game. So I know he was uh, projected the best guard before mm-hmm. that. You know, now they changed. I was at the end of the season, and everything gets changed from the end of the season until draft. So I'm not sure how he's looking as far as his injury. Well, I, I think he's going to be all right with his injury, from what I've read. But yeah. where does he project that? And you think he'd be a good maybe? Was, he's somebody they they could take in a second round, or will he drop? I think we're talking the same situation where you can't confirm the testing because of the injury, uh, even though he should be fine. Again, I would have liked to have seen him test. I think he dealt with the knee all year, to be honest, because he looked a little stiffer. He, he didn't look right. I thought he looked better the year before. I think he's a starting right guard, though. But, you know, because there's some risk there with injury without being able to complete his profile as a prospect, um, I tend to not target where they he would grade on tape. Like I said, for me, I think 38 would have been fine mm-hmm. had he had done everything. Uh, I think there's a chance he goes closer to 60 on draft day, which maybe just before the Bengals hit in round three, maybe they're lucky and he's still there. I, I do think he's a late second rounder, and that's where he ends up going. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Myers, the center from Ohio State, went a little bit ahead of him, actually. Uh, the Steelers in round two, I think, make a lot of sense. So I think but he's in a similar situation also. I, I think there's it's a mixed group there. It's, good. it's right. a dense group of guards and interior offensive linemen for day two. A lot of these guys that I think are round three, like a Ben Cleveland, if he goes at 40, I won't be surprised. And then right. a Wyatt Davis, if he goes at 70, I won't be surprised. Now, one, one thing I, I got to tell you here, when, when we refer to that team over there in, in Pittsburgh, we call them the squealers on the show. So oh, okay. you yeah. say it the other way, I consider it cussing. So <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Now, this is kind of funny because this is what you and me were talking about before the show. Uh, Titus says, I hope the Bengals get that kicker from Florida. And we were both just, you looked his name up and actually, you don't have to look his name up. You had it right. <laughs> yeah, it was in the in the back of my brain somewhere. Someone exactly. told me that uh, works for Florida that the Bengals spent a lot of time with him during the pro day. Um, so Darren Simmons was down there working with him, watching him, talking to him. Um, I think that's a possibility. Round six, round seven. Let's see where he goes. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Bengals do draft a kicker. Oh, I uh, think they do because I mean they we got Sherbert, Herbert, whatever the hell his name is, and yeah. that fat Randy go. So yeah, I think they're definitely in the market for. And that's one thing with the way the Bengals have done this offseason, I think there's three positions that they're definitely drafting. Offensive line, a guard, preferably preferably a guard who can maybe swing out to play tackle later on, a, a deep threat, and I think a kicker because no. I really do because there's there's two really good ones. One, and both of them are from Florida. I think one's from Florida and the other's from Miami. I think those are the two best kickers in the draft. There's a chance that the Bengals could get them. So that's why I always say I, I really like the way the Bengals have laid out their offseason. I know we all wish they would have drafted or assigned another offensive lineman, but Sure. I think they had their mind uh, on the the. I can't remember the guys' n- names. There's two guys they had their eye on, and one got tagged, and the other one resigned. I think once those two guys went off the board, that's yeah. when they moved on to Reef. And okay, we're going to change it. We're going to we're going to concentrate more on defense. 
I agree. I think Daryl Williams, the guy who ended yes. up back in yes. Buffalo, right? I think yeah. he would have been the target. Um, yeah. But, you know, things happen. And you even hear it when, you know, the, the appearances the front office has made uh, around the, the the internet. They've said pretty much the same thing, that there were guys they wanted to dig into and just never got the chance. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. I do think, uh, like you said, deep threat, right guard is a, is a need right now. They need to get a starter in there. And I think they will address it. Like I said earlier, I think defensive end has a lot of snaps to hand out. Kicker can walk in and be the kicker this year. And the defensive tackle still is the last one where mm-hmm. you lose Geno Atkins. Now they haven't said a goodbye to him yet. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of hoping like maybe he might come back. I, I don't know. We'll see. Right, And maybe that's the sentimental right. part of me that's like, you know, bring him back. I don't care. Yeah, but uh, right. Larry Ogunjobi is a one-year guy who really just flashed, never really put it together for Cleveland. I'm happy to have him. Mm-hmm. But I do think a one-year deal like that means they'll try to draft a defensive tackle. And I don't know if that's the third round. Maybe it is. A lot of people mock Milton Williams to them on a Louisiana Tech. I think he would be a tremendous fit. I would love it. That'd be an A-plus pick if they can get him at 69. But it's a weak D-tackle class. There's a couple other guys that I think fourth, fifth round uh, they could take a swing on. And you can find defensive tackles if you take the the athletic traits and the upside, uh, whether it's like a Bobby Brown or a Jonathan Marshall in the, in the fifth round or so. Uh, where I can see that being a developmental uh, upside kind of guy. I, Rennell Wren, they tried that a few years ago, right? Yeah. And, and Marcus mm-hmm. Hardison, they keep trying to take the same kind of guys who really didn't produce but have athletic traits. you right. got to kind of find a, find both of those. And there's a few in this draft that they could target. Yeah, that's why I, whenever – I mean, I am no draft expert by no means. I'm just a guy with the YouTube channel. But I always think that the teams that do the best job are the ones that look at the tape of what the guys did you know, against competition – and then you you take that along with their measurables at the pro days and all that stuff, and you got to mix and match them to, to compare them both to get the best out of how you think they will project into the NFL. And the teams yeah. that do that the best, I think, you know, obviously have usually have the best drafts. Yeah, that's part of it, right? I mean, you watch the guys on tape, and that's number one. That's first and foremost. That's going to probably, you know, uh, influence eighty. 80- 5% of your grade probably right. or how you're feeling on a player. How did right. he play? How did he play in big games? How did he play against top competition? Uh, that's why you love SEC prospects. You love watching a Jamar Chase because he beat up against four top 40 picks at corner and really did had his way with all of them. That's why so I like Leatherwood. <laughs> yeah, it goes a long way. If they're coached by NFL-type coaches in a program mm-hmm. like that, especially at Alabama, mm-hmm. if they beat up on these guys that were first-round picks and had decent rookie years like an A.J. Terrell, uh, you feel good about those prospects. But then the other part is, how did he produce? Because I, I think sometimes people will talk about like Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver out of Florida. People say, well, if they don't draft Chase in the first round, they could take Tony in the second. And I don't right. even think Tony would be in consideration for the Bengals there. Bengals like wide receivers that produce at a high level at the youngest possible age they could. 18 years old, 19 years old, 20. Tony wasn't until he was almost 22 years old. Devonta Smith, same thing. Uh, Jalen Waddell, uh, he really never produced at that high level because he ended up getting hurt this year, but I think he would have. Uh, but I, that's why I think like Jamar Chase for them is so far ahead. You look at their history of drafting mm-hmm. receivers, they love Jamar Chase. I don't even need a source to tell me this. They <laughs> love Jamar Chase. I, I can love Jamar Chase. <laughs> right. We all do. Yeah. We all do. But I don't need anyone to tell me. You can look at his profile right. and match oh. it up against all the people they've drafted. Right. And you go, oh, my God, they're in love all right from January before we even start right. the process. So right. that's how, you know, we can come to the conclusion of who they like and who they don't based on their history. So there is – I think a lot of people, you know, we stick to the film – but you, you can't forget the production things they look for and the athleticism things they look for. Right. Yeah. I, James Rapine was on, on my show yesterday and 
I, I brought this up to him. I said, if the Bengals draft Chase and you have Chase and you Higgins and Boyd, I would say, oh my, after that. That's just still a little saying I do. But if you have those three next year, dude, that's as good as TJ, Chris Henry, Ocho Cinco. And James goes, he goes, I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. He goes, I think Chase, Higgins, Boyd is going to be better than those guys than, than they were. And I'm like, if you look at the numbers, I I, I did some little research on it. I, I don't think I could disagree with them. I think they are going to be an unstoppable force that the squealers, the rat birds, the clowns don't want to deal with. That's why they're all like, yeah. Go take school. Go 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 take. Oh take yeah, there. <laughs> you yeah. see, it's funny because all like the Lions fans. If you're going anywhere, any corner of the internet right now, where there's Lions fans, Dolphins fans, whatever, everyone that wants Chase, like all oh, the Bengals are idiots for not drafting right. any school. <laughs> right, right. Because well, yeah, you guys want them. Listen, right. We want them too. All right. Exactly. You, Dolphins need offensive linemen. Don't give me that stuff. All right. Go right. around and get your offensive linemen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's see here. Got another question from William House. Uh, do the Bengals draft a running back? Which I think this is kind of a curious question because of they just released uh, Geo. They don't have a running back like that in in the house or in the locker room right now. You know, Piron and Mixon are a kind of a lot alike. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. Um, a lot of people point to the money for Geo why it was released, and obviously that's a factor. But I think people may be looking at it the wrong way. I think the money is more about Mixon. They paid Mixon. They paid Mixon to be their every down guy. And even when both guys were healthy last year, think of the Chargers game. Think of mm-hmm. the, the Colts game where they had to drive down the field to score and win at the end. Joe Mixon's not on the field. They trust right. Gio to come out and be the pass protecting running back. Right. He has played more snaps that, you know, when you, than all his competition, he ended up playing more snaps than Jarvis Green Ellis, Jeremy Hill, Joe Mixon in a lot of years because he's the passing game running back. But mm-hmm. people look at the carries and say, this is a starting back. In my opinion, Gio's been uh, pretty much a starter this whole career here. And right. I, I know he, he's not getting the carries, but snaps are important. Pass protection is important. Um, so I think what this means is Joe Mixon is now the passing game back. It's not going to be P. Ryan. I don't think that's right. I think it's going to be Mixon. He's going to yeah. be out there. So more catches for Mixon, maybe less carries. Maybe those carries go to Smaj P. Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. Mixon ends up more of a stat line with 20 carries and five catches or 15 and five where and P Ryan can get five to eight to 10 carries as the, as a relief guy. I think that makes more sense. I think that makes your offense better by getting Mixon out there more often. If you remember that draft class, Mixon was up there with Alvin Kamara and, mm-hmm. and, and Christian McCaffrey in terms of receiving backs coming right. out. And now he's getting less catches than Leonard Fournette. And that just doesn't know. make any damn sense to me. Right. So do long, long answer here. Do, are they going to draft a guy? I think they need more talent in that room. Rarely is like a Travion Williams, uh, uh, you can draft this guy. They may like him, but year three, year four, when are we going to see this guy? Right. Uh, you know, that that's not normal. Normally running backs come in, they play. So I do think there's room there for that third running back to be maybe someone that's has some speed, change of pace type guy. Uh, maybe somebody that, you know, they see as an upside talent type where they can say, all right, Mixon went down. P. Ryan's the starter and this guy's our, our, our little electric bug to go with him. <laughs> You know, it, because we got to think about it. Running back get hurt, number one. Number yeah. two, I, I think that they need an influx of talent. Right now, I don't feel great about if it was P. Ryan and Travion Williams. Yes, you can do some things with that if, if Mixon goes down, but that's not a weapon. No one's no. scared of that. You know, no one's going to even pay attention to it. They're right. going to send everyone back and say, all right, run it on us if you want to. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I want to let everybody know what they're watching. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on YouTube, Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, I got my guest, Joe Goodberry. You can follow him 
on Twitter at well as well at Joe Goodberry. It's pretty easy to find, and he has a lot of interesting uh, Bengals information. And we're talking NFL draft running backs here. Now, what I want to say about the about Mixon is uh, I think the reason that one of the reasons they got rid of Geo is because of the money. I think it was they, they, when they pay, when they signed Piron, I was like, I saw the writing on the wall. I think uh, Geo is gone because. They were already, I think, top three as far as money toward running back in the running back room. But also, I think it's like, all right, Mixon, we're paying you this much money. You need to be the third down back. You need to be in there for pass rushes. And hopefully, like you said, they were using him out, out of the backfield to catch passes, bubble screens, stuff like that, stuff he did in college. You know, so that's where I, I think they're going with. I I don't know if they're going to draft a running back or not. I mean, they're, if they're out there, I think there's more – pressing needs you know to me is is depth on the offensive line in the later rounds mm-hmm. um i really do think we need to get a kicker i mean I, I i hate to keep saying that but i really do think that's a pressing need we got to get right. a kicker so that's where i think they're at so if you think they draft at least one receiver well i would like two offensive linemen right yes i'd yes. like a deep tackle and a defensive end yep and then a kicker i mean yep. that already we're at six and they've got eight picks Right. Yeah, maybe one goes to a running back. Maybe one goes to a special teams type linebacker, safety, mm-hmm. uh, corner. They could always use a younger corner in there. I, me personally, I think they need a third tight end still. And this guy may be a number two, a number. I think if you go in the fourth or fifth round, and there's an athletic type tight end still there. And I really haven't watched any of them, so I'm just shooting out of my ass right here. But <laughs> point is, if there's one and they like one, then I can see that pick completely because I, Drew Sample, I think, is what he is. He's a blocking guy. Get decent hands. He is not scaring defenses at all. CJ Zama's coming off a major injury. I do like him, but I think at this point, um, at best, he's just an okay type tight end. I think if you draft an athletic freak in there in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, upside is is worth it. And he's your third guy now, and he develops. It takes tight ends three years to develop. Right. So you know we're talking. This is a pick for the future. Yeah. So what? All right. That brings me to to the the question that I, I brought up here a lot is Thaddeus Moss. I wanted the Bengals to draft him. After he didn't get drafted, I wanted them to sign him. Now, the curious thing, again, I brought this up to James Rapine. When they released the numbers, you know, they did the new stripes there, but then they released the numbers of all the new guys, all the free agents they signed, you know, yeah. the big-time free agents they signed. They had 81 Moss on there, too, which I thought was kind of curious. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reading it, trying to read it to the tea leaves too much, but that was just kind of curious because he wasn't a big free agent. They just picked him up off the street. So Yeah, that's not normal. Right, so I think they they think they they found something because now, am I right about this? Did did Moss have both his feet operated on, or is that just something I, I heard from somebody else? I don't know what he had operated on. I know during the draft process, everyone I talked to, because a lot of people were like, "Well, let's add Thad- Thaddeus Moss in, in the third, fourth, fifth round, whatever the case may be." And that's so why I did some digging and reaching out. And everyone I reached to, he's like, he's not going to get drafted. If anything, he's a seventh rounder. He's got major injury issues. He is extremely slow. Um, he doesn't look like himself when teams have looked at him recently. And I'm like, all right, so he's not going to get drafted. So I wasn't surprised there. Right. And then he goes to Washington and I'm like, okay, it is what it is. We'll probably never hear from him again. Right. I'm with you though. When they claimed him, I did go back and watch just like, all right, I did like him on tape more than mm-hmm. what I heard. Right. Uh, you know, I thought he was a decent blocker for being, he, he's undersized. Right. He's going to test like a poor athlete. And from what I understand, he just has that connection with Burrow again. Yes. That's- you know, he's got great hands. I think he judges the ball very well. I think he runs accurate routes for, for his limitations. Um, It's funny. I've seen someone say Kyle put Kyle Pitts looks more like Randy Moss's son 
than Thad Moss. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably true. But fine, I'll take him. If he's the third tight end and, and they think he could develop in the future, maybe that's where they don't draft a guy. Maybe it's a waste of a fifth-round pick if you mm-hmm. if they believe that highly in Thad Moss. But if they believe that highly, why didn't they draft him last year? You know, So I kind of wondered about that too. Yeah, I, I just think I, right now at this point, I don't think it's a bad move at all to try to sign him. It cost him little to nothing. And if he doesn't right. make him, they just no cut it. But the thing is, if if they can catch a genie in the bottle, uh, you know, and he gets anywhere close to what him and Joe Burrow had at LSU, and they draft Chase, and like I said, whew, I, I'm, it just gets me excited. I, I think he's, uh, by no means do I think that he's going to come in here and ball out like he did at LSU. Because if, right. if he was going to do that, he would have already done it. You know, I do think he he's a guy that you maybe you can you mix and match sprinkle in and maybe if it goes well you know he gets more and more plays but we'll see uh, how that how that goes and the thing is with with you talk about uh, Uzama I really liked the chemistry that he developed with Joe Burrow that little bit of time I know he's coming off Achilles so it's going to be a little difficult but it, but if he can come back and he's fully healthy he's I'm I'm kind of happy with him I mean I I agree with you I think that they can find a, a freak in the you know sixth seventh round. Go for it. I mean, by no means we're not you know, set it at tight end. And I'm always one that right. says you got to stack talent. There's, you can never have enough talent. So, but I'm not saying we're, we're great at, at tight end, but I, but there's part of me that I'm like, I think we might be a little better than what people think, but maybe I'm just grasping straws. They may not want to even throw to a tight end. I mean, I think they've made it very clear. They want to be a three wide receiver offense, especially yes. if they draft chase. I mean, we already yes. knew this. We expected this, but, and I think that's part of the, why national media doesn't understand the Bengals and why they would go chase over Sewell. Right. And I think it's because guys, they went three wide receivers second most in the league. They're going to do that again. Um, so we're talking about 110 targets, to AJ green. They're going to be a three wide receiver team. Yes. And if we're going to throw more to Joe Mixon, where are these targets gonna? You know, you, you're not gonna throw it 700 times. You're the, the pace they were on at one point last year. So I, I think the tight end. Maybe we're just talking that these guys are role players, and that's fine. If if Uzama and Sample and they mix them the right way are just role players, and they are coming behind the three receivers plus Mixon, and they're fifth or sixth in the target uh, depth chart. Fine, I'm okay with it. You don't have to have a great tight end in that situation. Yeah, exactly. I had I had a graphic. That's why I'm staring at my screen. I had a graphic of. Oh, the percentage of how many times the Bengals went three wide. 82? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there you go. 82% of the time they went three wide. That's second most. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that, to me, that's another reason why I'm sold that they're going to draft Chase. Now, the question comes. Now, to me, I, I, the draft for the Bengals starts at four because mm-hmm. just in case the Falcons decide to take Chase, then what do they do? So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're going to, but with they, them coming out and saying that they're interested in trading Julio Jones, are they going to take Chase? I personally think they're going to take Pitts or they're going to take a quarterback. Yeah. But uh, what, what do you think they'll do then? So I think this is the scenario then, because, right, we're all paying attention to the Falcons at this point. I do right. think the Falcons will take a quarterback if the right one is there. I think what that entails is maybe the 49ers, we have to watch that pick. If the 49ers right. go Mac Jones, then I think the Falcons will go, okay, we'll take Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's Justin Fields. I just feel like it's Trey Lance. And if it, and if the 49ers go Trey Lance, then I'm interested to see where the Falcons feel about Justin Fields at number four. He may it, That may be the scenario where they go, okay, we'll take uh, Kyle Pitts or let another team come up and get Justin Fields if they don't feel as confident. Maybe that's the Broncos or the Lions or whatever the case may be. Um, Patriots, whatever. Right. Point is – then now for the Bengals, it, even if Pitts goes or the quarterback, 
I don't think either one is a is a concern for them. I think they no. feel like as long as the Falcons don't take Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. they're drafting Jamar Chase. Like I, I feel like that's the right. goal. That is their mindset. That this is how they're looking at it. They're going to take Jamar Chase if he's there. So devil advocate. What if they what if they do take Chase? That's 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 exactly. where kind of yeah. What do they do then? I, I think so they take the, Sewell, but good. If the Falcons take Jamar Chase, the Bengals will then listen to calls because at that point. That means three rece- three quarterbacks went, and let's say Mac Jones goes to the 49ers because I don't see other, any other team really connected in top in the top ten to Mac Jones. So we should hope that the Falcons go with Mac Jones, and then if the – I'm sorry, if the 49ers go Mac Jones, and if the Falcons go Jamar Chase, the Bengals will then receive calls, I say, from the – could be the Panthers, Patri- could be the Patriots. Lions. <laughs> I'm right, Patriots, Broncos. There's a few teams. How far do you want to go? Do you want to go to Washington? Do you want to go to Chicago? Well, I say how far down do they want to drop, though? That's the thing with me. You would have to – if for those other three teams, you would have to give them a haul. It would have to be an insane amount to the right. – to the. I can't even fathom how it would go. A couple mm-hmm. first-round and second-round picks for the next couple of years. Right. Enticing. You know, go drop back and get Vera Tucker out of USC – uh, or a, a wide receiver, or Rashad Bateman, or if Waddle's still there, whatever the case may be. But I think they would explore that. And if it, they don't get the deal they want, because I don't think they want to drop too far if they do. Yes. It would have to be like the Panthers at eight. And you're going to say, okay, so now quarterback goes in this spot. Then the the um, the Dolphins will take Pitts. Okay, as, as long as the, um, the Lions don't take Sewell. And if they do, then we go Slater at eight or nine, wherever they fall. I think they'd be okay with that. If they can't trade down in that scenario, then they take Penny Sewell at five and just live with it and, and try to find a receiver later. Right. Now, my question is, is because you're saying that uh, they might, that Trey Lance is, is jumping ahead of, of Justin Fields now. I think so. Why? Why? What, what, what has Justin Fields done since the end of the year to now? Because I thought, honestly, he was going to be the number two pick in the draft uh, pretty much all college football season. And now it's, it's Zach Wilson. Now it's, it's, it's uh, Lance from, from North Dakota state and, and and Mac from Alabama, it's like they've all jumped past him. What what happened? I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. I, you know, during the season, I did think that Wilson would end up being the number two quarterback. I just think uh, old traditional teams, the way they look at these quarterbacks, sometimes that factors into it, and they would see Wilson and be like, "Oh yeah, that looks like Aaron Rodgers to me. Give me that guy." Right. Um, so you know, I, I and I think that's what the Jets are thinking. But they're the Jets, and they're probably worse run than. Uh, you know, <laughs> bottom five team in terms of that. I don't want to. I don't want to air the Bengals out, but uh, there's, a, there's there's some teams that are below them, and, and the Jets are one. But point being is, I think the 49ers, It sounds like wanted Mac Jones for whatever reason. I don't know why. I, I don't know why anyone really wants him in the top ten. Right. That's, and then that's where I'm at. <laughs> and then it sounds like from reading the reports that they said, okay, we like Mac Jones. Let's move up. And then they're like, let's at least explore Fields and Lance to be sure. Let's right. make sure. Let's do our due diligence, which you should right. do. Right. You know, that's the process. And then they go, ah, actually, we really like Trey Lance. And that's what it sounds like. So, and I can see why Lance, man, he's, he's big, he's athletic. He's the better mm-hmm. runner of everyone in this, uh, of the quarterbacks. He's got a cannon right. for an arm. Uh, he ran a lot of play action. You know, he, I think he threw 47% of the time uh, the last year in college. That fits for what the 49ers probably want to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think fields, I like fields. I do a shadow draft. People know what, what this is, where I try to draft for a team every single year. So mm-hmm. I, I, this year I picked number four for my team. I'm going to take Justin Fields if he's there because I want to upgrade at quarterback. So right. I'm going to take my concern with Fields, and I think other teams are feeling this because the game is changing a little bit, is how does he react off script? And what I mean is you drop back, 
oh, the defense is doing something different, or there's pressure in my face and I got to move, or my guy didn't run the right route and I got to adjust. You know, what makes Patrick Mahomes so good? What makes Aaron Rodgers so good is after two and a half seconds, it doesn't matter. Joe Burrow's got this trait, right? Yes. He'll yes. make something happen. He'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton did not have that at no. all. It killed them in a lot of ways, in a lot of games. You would see the Steelers clapping on the sideline because Andy Dalton's throwing it away on third and fourth down, and that just killed me. You know, I, so I think Burrow has that. So when I watch Fields, even though he's athletic, even though he's got a cannon for an arm, his off-script ability sometimes, I look at it and go, I don't know what he's thinking or what his vision looks like there. It reminds me of Dwayne Haskins. And the problem there is, and you shouldn't compare helmets, right. but the, the, in schools, the problem there is maybe he was coached that way. Right. Maybe Ryan Day is coaching these guys, you know, get the ball out here, if not there, if not run, whatever right. the case may be. Right. Um, and maybe they don't feel as comfortable with it. Now, Haskins failing doesn't mean – Fields will, no, but I yes, do think right. some teams may see that connection. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's it just, I, I just find it because it, it, it's happened before with with uh, other guys like me, like Trey Lance. Honestly, I never even heard of him before until right. until the, the the off season here, and and he's got he, his immeasurables are off the chart. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. He can. I mean, he's got everything you want. We played Division Two, um, and he destroyed everybody. But then this past year was with COVID and everything. I think they played like one game, and he threw his mm-hmm. first interception or threw like five interceptions or something like that. So I, I'm not saying you should base any of this on what he did, you know, this year or last year. Just last year was so good, and then the one game this year was so bad. So that's where I'm kind of like, how are they going to jump him? Other other than the physical traits, uh, that's to me that's got to be it. Is the physical traits to jump him over over Chase? That's only thing I can think of. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think uh, I would have Fields over Lance. I would have Fields. I have Fields over over Mac Jones. I mean, sorry. Oh yeah, completely. I, I think if the 49ers take Mac Jones, they're going out on a limb and saying we're smarter than everyone else. And I want to see that play out. So go ahead. <laughs> well, that, that, that's Kyle, that's Kyle Shanahan. He, he thinks he's he's the Joe Goodberry of a. No. <laughs> Just kidding, dude. Just kidding. But yeah, I, I, honestly, I. I hope the I, I call them the Sucky Niners because they beat us twice in Super Bowl. I, was, I get nicknames for all, all these teams I don't like, but I hope they don't draft Justin Fields because I'm a, sort of an Ohio State fan. I'm a Bearcat fan, but then I root for Ohio State as well. If he goes there to the Sucky Niners, then I'm going to have to hate him. So I, I really don't want that to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, right. they're, they're, I think okay. uh, Fields with the Broncos is makes a lot of sense to me. Not the if he goes to the Patriots, I'm going to be very happy because like I said, I plan on drafting him at number four if he's right. there. So if, I hope he goes to the Patriots for my own, you know, personal game. <laughs> well, that's the thing too is is New England. I wouldn't be surprised if they do try to jump up there and, and get one of these quarterbacks. Especially, they have to. yeah, especially especially uh, uh, Fields. Uh, yeah, he's a running quarterback, but he also is a, a pocket passer too. But, oh yeah. But to sit behind Cam Newton and say, "All right, you know, when I was young and dumb, this is what I did. Don't do this. Yeah, right. Do this. Don't take Don't these Right. Exactly. So that would be good for a, a guy like Fields. To get there and you know sit behind Cam for a year and yeah. and, and maybe possibly take over. So, I, and I think the way the Patriots attacks free agency, you can tell that organization does not want a losing season again. No. They did that, you yeah. know what I mean? They, the way they handle things, they're like, okay, this is not good enough. And I think yeah. also seeing the Bills have the success they did with Allen, I you got to look at that and say that there's a lot of pressure there. That team may be good for a long time. The Dolphins draft Tua and have a buttload of picks. And then now you got the Jets at least taking a swing at a quarterback. Their franchise may be a mess. The roster doesn't look great, but you get the right quarterback, and next thing you know, you're in this. Yeah. The the Patriots are in a bad way. I w- don't be surprised if that's the team calling at four 
at mm-hmm. five, at mm-hmm. six, at seven, and trying say, to get up there. Name the price because if we don't get our guy, mm-hmm. we're going to be flailing for a while. We don't plan to be picking top 10, 12, 15 even next right. year. So this is our chance to move up and get it. I, I expect them to be aggressive. All right, so let's lay this out here. What what what's your best case scenario for the for the draft this year? For what's the best case that the Bengals, if everything fell in perfectly, what's the best case scenario for you? Obviously, you start it with Chase. I think it's happening, so I'm not even going to debate that you know position. Right. But let, so they end up with Chase. Uh, best case scenario is let Penny Sewell go number four, so that we don't even have to debate the, the <laughs> right. merits of Chase. Right? <laughs> yeah, you, you, t- you tweeted that out, yeah. out earlier. I thought Let's that was, add that in there, right? <laughs> so yeah. we don't have to worry about it. National right. pundits will say, "Ah, Sewell's yeah. off the board." Just they right. uh, took Chase. Good job, Bengals. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, We don't have to hear about. It. Oh, they right. messed up again. They could have got the offensive right. lineman and they right. the wide receiver. This is why they'll never win. And I just yeah, I, my eyes. Uh, I don't even care at this point. But I, <laughs> I'd rather that go that way. So anyway, right. And then they come back in at 38, and there's still good offensive linemen there. And I expect it to happen, but how good? Where's the cutoff? Right. You know, the I think the most ever to go before pick 38 is seven offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Could we see that happen? I don't think so. I think we're looking more at four or five. And if that's the case, then we're looking at Leatherwood and Cosme. Is there a chance that Tevin Jenkins is still there? Well, I think would be an awesome right tackle for the Bengals, one of the nastiest mm-hmm. guys in this draft. Play him at guard if you got to for a year, or right or Reef kicks the guard and then he moves the right tackle because that guy is a natural right tackle. Right. Uh, and I think that would be like so that would be like best case scenario. They got Tevin Jenkins, I, but I think Leatherwood and Cosme are realistic expectations right. that would also get high grades and and we could be relatively excited for. Then you go into round three, and for me, I, it is Milton Williams. If he's there, if they like him the way I think they would and do. Uh, and they are able to take him. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes round two, though, in this weak class. He looks like high upside type guys that you want to, you know, bet on. Um, but if they took him, I'd be extremely happy with that. Otherwise, that's when you get into edge and go di- double dipping on offensive line. Is that a Quinn Miners who played D3? I mean, he's he's going against guys that are going to be selling cars in the next couple of months. <laughs> No offense to you if you're selling cars, but you got no chance against NFL offensive linemen, and this guy's going to be a top 100 pick. So he dominates these guys, and he should. That's what you want. If the guy did it, we'd have problems. But he dominates them. He goes to the Senior Bowl. He becomes a star down there uh, with his gut out and his mullet, and he just he he tests like a freak athlete also. I love his mullet. (laughs) I'm just like – at that point, I, these guys that come out of these small schools and that go the Ellie Marpets that go in the round uh, round three, round two range, and they test like this, it just shows you they're going to be okay. They don't make it out of D three with that without a crazy work ethic. Show right. up to the Senior Bowl, don't back down, beat guys from SEC schools, and then go out and test like that. This guy is going to be fine. And, and they always get a chip on the shoulder. And those, those guys all have a chip on the shoulder. You want you want those guys. You want that on your team. And this right. guy's a center guard, and I think you draft him, you play him at guard right away. If he ends up being your center for the future, fine. Uh, I just think you, you get that guy in the third round, and I would be extremely excited about his upside and potential and turning into – a guy that's better than Leatherwood and Cosme, a guy you took at 38. I just think he's going to go around later because of where he played, and but that doesn't mean his upside isn't even higher than those guys. Right. So all that all that being said, then everything works out great, great because, I mean, before when the Bengals had the five-year run, I mean, they hit – Duke hit on almost every draft. Yeah. I mean, he did. I mean, that, that's where people are like, oh, Duke, Duke Tobin's terrible. Like, dude, he hit on everybody when we Big were – three. 
Yeah. That's their issue right now. They've got nobody right. making co- contributions from day three. Auden Tate, Darius Phillips, okay. That's yeah. not Clint Bowling. That's not Geno yeah. Atkins. That's not Marvin Jones, George Iloka. The list goes mm-hmm. on. They don't have that right now. They need to hit day three. What is your feeling about last year's draft? I, I, I mean, I know it's it's only a year into it, but I, I actually think it was pretty good, to be honest. Not great, but pretty good. You know, I don't know. What, what, what's your thoughts about that one? Anytime you get the franchise quarterback, you're getting high marks. So I'm happy with that. I was high, as high as anyone on Joe Burrow. So T. Higgins, uh, I think he had a great rookie year. He may have shown us already what his upside is. I think kind of think that's what he is as a really strong number two type, maybe verging on a number one. I compared him to a Kenny Galladay, who mm-hmm. interestingly enough, the Bengals tried to get. If he ends up being yep. Galladay, I think we're all happy with that. Oh, pick. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. I think they're expecting big things, and it's funny because they hit linebacker hard last year. Yes. That's how I kind of expect them to handle O-line this year. Maybe yep. a round earlier, but yep. I expect it boom, 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 mm-hmm. offensive line nonstop. You know, yep. If it's three picks, I'll be surprised, but I'll be more than welcome. I'm surprised they picked three linebackers. No. Right, exactly, right. And it wasn't until the seventh round with Marcus Bailey, who could have been a day-two guy had right. he have been healthy. So I can see that scenario, same, similar thing where – they just can't deny it in the sixth or seventh round. Here's another offensive lineman. I think Sedarius right. Hutcherson is the name to watch there. But um, so I think that if you get Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither to step up this year and 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 they both flashed, mm-hmm. they both showed some ability and some traits, and I think that they're excited about him. The part is hard for linebacker. The, the transition from college to NFL is as hard as any position right now. That's such a oh, wide yeah. open game in college. You may have three defensive linemen in front of you instead of four. Uh, you're dealing with guys on here, dealing with space. It's just much different. Uh, so I think that transition takes some time. Even a guy like Hakeem Davis Gaither was kind of used as a star position, joker, edge rusher, um, dropped in the coverage. He did everything at Appalachian State, which he should because he was a star. But point <laughs> is, um, he's got some developmental uh, uh, you know, traits and, and, and ways to go. But I think if they hit on those guys – Linebacker unit's good because it's funny. We didn't even talk about it, but there's a chance this unit's trash next year, right? I right. mean, if we're, if we're being honest, we can, we can be sitting here next year like, man, they need a linebacker real right. bad. None of, none of these guys worked out. Oh, worked out, right. But they're both guys I liked. So I am yeah. hopeful, and I think they'll both, at the very least, one hits or one gives you solid contributions while the other one's a decent starter. I'll take that right now. Um, and then when you go to uh, Khaled Kareem, and the, I thought he played decent for a fifth-round guy. Uh, maybe he's part of the rotation. Maybe he takes another step. We can see what else he's doing. And then Akeem Adeniji, who, you know, I think developmental-wise, they were excited for him. They want He didn't end up playing as good as they wanted. It seemed like they wanted to keep him at left tackle only and don't move him. Even yeah. when there were openings at right tackle and left guard, I think, they kind of – I think he played better at right, to be honest. Right. I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah. It, they didn't want to move him there until they had to, and then they're like, right. okay, here you are, and he was okay. Right. I he w- Those guys aren't ready to play. When you're a six-round pick no, and you're coming no. from a small school like that that didn't get the great coaching, you don't want to see that guy for a year and a half, two years. And I, I think he's still on that schedule where they like – they still like Fred Johnson and, and Akeem Adeniji as backup guys, and maybe Frank Pollock can get more out of them. I think that's going to be a big addition to this offensive line that we really didn't get to talk about. But, uh, you know, I do think that is a big part in it. So I'm still interested in, in Akeem Adeniji. I, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a starter, but maybe he's just a swing tackle, and that's good enough for now. All right, well, let's talk about, about Frank Pollock here before we uh, get off get get off the air here. But uh, are the bank – and that's what I've asked multiple different guys – are the Bengals putting too much trust in Frank Pollock, you know, as far as the way they've attacked this offensive line this offseason? Right, or lack thereof, right? And right. Uh, the thing is, and the point I made on that when I was on with Zim and Ace, that Jim Turner was terrible. And he oh, was God. terrible when they hired him. We all knew yes. it. Yes. It's, 
I gave my years out of him. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm surprised he made it that long. Right. But guys that were doing things, and it's funny because when players get frustrated with their position coach, that stuff starts to leak. And you can trust the things you've read were true uh-huh. and things you heard were true. And the things he was telling them to do, that they're like, all right, if well, I don't do it. He would do what they tell him to do, and it didn't freaking work. 100%. <laughs> and they, but they had to do it because he right. would play his guys, if not. Right. And so, like, you know, guys like Billy Price shouldn't have been this bad. The last two years, he shouldn't have been. You won't find out. Go read all draft prospects or uh, draft reports and profiles on Billy Price. Mm-hmm. None of them will say he's not a starter. At the very least, he should have been an NFL starter at the average level, at the very least. Now, I didn't think he was going to be some superstar. I didn't think he was going to be great. I thought it was just you're going to get at least a, a guy that's going to start for you for five years, and that's okay, but he hasn't even been that. No. There's yeah. no reason he should have been that bad. There's t- issues with Jonah Williams that weren't there at Alabama last mm-hmm. year, and it, or, and I'm looking at him like, I know he asked him the two-hand punch like that because that's what Jim Turner does, and right. he got beat by it, and he shouldn't have got beat by it, and that's mm-hmm. not something he's done before. So right. speaking of Jonah, Michael Jordan t- took no steps in development. Now right. – He's the guy we don't want. He's the last guy we want to see on the field right now. But he should have been better. He should have taken a step at some point. Right. Um, so I've got a lot of issues with the way the O line performed. I think you've got sometimes in the NFL, you see guys that either um, make make guys better or they make them worse. And I think we had a guy that made everyone worse. Yes. And so to say the least, right? right. But so if everyone gets back to the level of, of what they could play at just baseline, now you're adding in a guy that I think is probably a top twelve to fifteen. O-line coach in terms of scheme and getting everyone gelled together. Uh, I've heard he's not the greatest with technique, but he's not he, he's not the type that will tell you not to go out and work on it with other coaches. He'll say, right. yeah, go do that in the offseason. Yeah. I'll bring you back in here, and we're going to hammer down what we want on this play, on this design, on this scheme, and everyone's going to work better together. That was a bad O-line he had in 2017, or was it 18? Either way, 17. And, yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah Joe Mixon looked great that year, yeah. right? And yeah. they had a decent run game. Even though the O-line wasn't blocking that well, they – we're able to get it done with the scheme. And I think at the very least, Pollock should get that going again. And I think it was very key that they gave him the title of run game coordinator. Yes. So, yeah. um, you know, I do think they're expecting a lot from him. I do think they're going to give him a couple of draft picks. They give him Riley Reef, But I also think they probably said Adenogy, Michael Jordan, Fred Johnson, Jonah Williams, all Billy Price. Yeah. There's some young well, two prospects of those guys here. Are- Two of them are first round picks. Right. I mean, I mean so they, they, and, and that's what I hate about saying about Joe Will, because I'm I'm kind of like, I'm not saying he's a bust. And I, not, by no means am I saying be. he's a no. bust. No, mm-hmm. but he I agree that he should be playing better. He should be the he's our left tackle, you know. And now right. there's times we're like, well, if we draft Sewell, do we switch Jonah? And like, you know, and that's where I'm like, these guys should be playing better. They played better in college. You can't go to, from college, well, you can. But not not right. guys on the same line. So, you know, see, you see the same problem. Like you said, Billy Price played better in college. Jonah Williams played better in college. And they come here and they're doing stuff that doesn't work. And that's why I couldn't understand why the hell does he keep telling them to do that. And I, yeah. I kind of feel the same way about Armadillo. I, that's what they call him, <laughs> Amarito, uh, it, it, with his, his defensive schemes. You know, because to me, and I'll point in case, I'll say this, and I've said this a lot, the, the Indianapolis Colts game. How many times did we watch a wide receiver or running back run right over the middle and there isn't a bangle within five yards? Mm-hmm. And to me, mm-hmm. that's scheme. And he he would have guys back up too much. And that's where I'm not – I mean, if he does great, I'm all for it. I want him to do good. But that's another one that I'm kind of surprised that he they didn't get rid of him 
and they doubled down on him by giving him even more toys to try to play with. Yeah. So hopefully he can get it together this year, and hopefully uh, Frank Pollock can get it together. And if we hit this draft out of the ballpark, I think we got a shot to being in this thing. You know, not, I'm not saying we're going to playoffs, but we got a shot to be in it. The offense can be good this year. Right. And, you know, the idea that you add a Jamar Chase, now the position group that's a strength on the team is wide receivers. Oh, yeah. Um, now you got Burrow and a strong receiving group. Get a second-round offensive lineman, and Frank Pollock elevates some of the guys we've talked about. And we didn't even say uh, Sua Filo and Quentin Spain. Spain. Spain has played in this league and played at a high level. He shouldn't have been that bad last year. No, and Spain is better than what I think people think he is. I think he's. I think he's a, a good pickup. Honestly, he's been a guy I've I, since he, he coming out of West Virginia and at, at Tennessee and at Buffalo. Every time he was available, I was like, I want the Bengals to take him. It's funny. He messaged me on Twitter. I was like, Man, why are you always ragging on me? I'm like, Dude, you should be better than this this year. I know it's Jim <laughs> Turner. You know it's Jim Turner, but you, you should be better. And that's. That's kind of how I, I approach things. But point being is I think you can start. I think Xavier Suofilo was a 33rd overall pick. We got three first-rounders with Riley Reef. Mm-hmm. Xavier Suofilo, a 33rd pick. Quentin Spain has played a lot in this league and, and has started and had good production. Trey Hopkins is a decent center. Mm-hmm. They have at least enough pieces. And I think they're going to add a second, maybe if, if it could be a third-round O-lineman to this group. And then Joe Mixon, if he's healthy and, and you know gets an increased passing game role, this offense can be good. Yeah. And it could be fun. And maybe the defense sucks. I don't really care. Put yeah. up 35 points in and entertain just, me, please. Just go just go get a, a shootout every week. But right. I, that's one thing. One thing I will say is is the way the offensive line is set up right now, it's better than it was opening day last year. I mean, yeah. it, it is. You, with, uh, with Spain there. And like I said, Spain, I got a lot of respect for him because he came in and played the same week he got signed. Yeah. And he never played in the same position. Any, he would get switched right. during the middle of the game. And he still played pretty good. So, I mean, yeah. I know his, his pro football focus uh, uh, ranking wasn't very high, but. But I, he's I like a clear left guard, and he barely got to play left guard. So, right. like, he had to play right tackle, and he right. did decent. I mean, right. he exactly. did what he had to do. I appreciate him to the fullest. And he did and he did a good job, you know. So, that, yeah. that's where I'm like, I was happy they signed him. I think that that's an upgrade at what we had. And if Frank Pollock can get Jonah Williams and, and Billy Price to where, and Michael Jordan to where we all thought they might be. Right, our offensive line is going to be pretty good. And the thing is, that I keep saying is, you don't need Panay five Panay souls. You don't. Yeah. You need a cohesive five guys, where there's no weak spots. You know, where where they go. Okay, this guy's the weak spot. We're going to go after him. They're all working in conjunction, and and you only got to hold the line for three seconds. Joe right. Burrow is going to get the ball out, and that includes going deep to chase. Fifty-seven percent of his throws last year were under two point five seconds. I think it was the fourth most in the league. Yeah, Penny Sewell doesn't help you very much on those plays. You no. know that, that's getting the ball out quickly. Jamar Chase helps you on those plays, exactly. and then the other half were the ones where he had to. He got pressured. He had to make things happen. He held the ball too long. Yada yada. Yeah, I do want a Penny Sewell. We all want a Penny Sewell. That, that's that's part that gets mixed up too, right? For anyone that's on that team. You want to give me Penny Sewell? I want him. I, right. Give me that guy. Of course I do. And I want five of them. It's right. not realistic. Right. right? So, well, that, that's kind of my point. It's not realistic. You can't have five of them. <laughs> right. I would take Penny Sewell if, if, if Jamar Chase was not here. If Jamar yeah. Chase was not there, I'd say, you know what? Okay, give me Penny Sewell. I wouldn't be arguing for Kyle Pitts. I'd say, give me Sewell on this yeah. position. But I do agree that I think Chase offers more impact, more value, and helps this team on more of their throws than a Penny Sewell does. I could not agree more. It is almost six thirty. You've been on for an hour. I appreciate you, brother. I'll let you go. Tell everybody where they can follow you at and what you got going on. 
at Joe Goodberry, and I got everything going on, so don't bother me too much. <laughs> All right, Joe. I appreciate you, brother. Let's do this again sometime. Dude, I can sit here and talk draft for like two hours. Oh, yeah. And, and I can talk – I'll talk Bengals anytime, so invite me anytime you want, and I'll come on here. We'll do, brother. I appreciate you, man. Who day? All right, take care. Who day? All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. That was a lot of fun. Um, now, tomorrow, uh, I got it confirmed. It's going to be um, the guys from uh, the – Orange and Black Insider Podcast, Anthony Cazenza and John Sheeran. They're going to be joining both of us now. Jeremy should be on the show tomorrow, I think, as long as everything works out, and we'll go four wide, and we'll be talking more draft. Um, I don't haven't figured out what I'm doing draft night yet. Um, I reached out. I'm trying to get some draft experts on here with me, you know, to see if they want to talk uh, draft. So just to give you a heads up, Thursday I'm either going to do my show at 530 like normal or I'm just going to go on at 8 o'clock or whenever the draft starts and go from the number one pick down to the fifth pick. So well, I'm still working on some things there, but uh, I will definitely keep you guys uh, in the loop to let you know what is going on. Now, it brings me to the Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootie Nation, which is a great Bengals group. If you love the Bengals and you like meeting crazy Bengal fans, Go check out Hootie Nation. They have a lot of fun discussions in there. Same thing with Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Ryan Third heading for home. The Reds got a win last night. Let's hope they get another one tonight. DeWink is on fire. And somebody asked me where I got my Castellanos jersey in the chat. Uh, my wife got it from eBay. Uh, we ordered it uh, like beginning of April, and I just got it today. So that's why I hung it up. So that's where I got it from. Uh, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts for all your uh, Ohio State Buckeye fans. The Ice Bar, it's my show page. We do silly TikToks. It's a virtual bar. We go there and hang out. You follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Facebook, I've got 1,027 likes. I have 1,115 followers, which is awesome. Twitter followers, it's starting to get up there. I'm at 427. Nowhere close to Joe Goodberry, but I'll keep trying. And YouTubers, like I said, the the original berries, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys supporting the show, supporting what I'm doing. Uh, I'm at 1,030-something uh, uh, subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate you guys. Let's get that rolling, try to get to 2,000. Yeah, hey, just keep trying to grow the show. And if you miss any of my interview with Joe Goodberry, and you don't have time to sit down and watch the show for an hour, you can listen to it on podcast. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight. And it'll be up uh, probably within the hour uh, at the most. Uh, but check it out at uh, BeanPod, Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Go there. Make sure you like, rate, and review. And make sure you download it and tell all your friends about it. And come try and get my podcast viewership up a little higher. That would be great. And other than that, as the great, I don't know if great, well, I don't know. Why did I say it's just Jeremy? Other than that, Jeremy, not known as Dimebag Dean. He's not great. He's just Jeremy. Come on now. Would say, remember one thing and one thing only. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Draft week, baby. It's Christmas. I can't wait. Thursday, I can't get there fast enough. I want Chase. I want Chase. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!